0: Welcome to Oops! I talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. Today, it's different. I didn't, We didn't decide what order to go in, so I'm going to cut this. Welcome to Oombs Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan. I'm Daryl. I'm Malcolm. And I'm Michael Raider. Whoa. Yeah, this is a little weird. So, we have a special episode. Sly and Phil have been murdered. And (laughs) now we have
1: Malcolm and Michael. And now we're playing Clue. Halloween is over, Ryan. Don't say (laughs) spooky things.
0: Oh yeah, Halloween is over. So, Malcolm actually approached us with this episode idea, and Malcolm, as you probably know, our head comrade, our czar, Mm -hmm. and Michael from my other podcast, We'll Get It Right Next Year, are going to talk to us about their religious upbringings and being a liberal Christian in the modern world. Ooh, spooky.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I imagine for them it's kind of spooky. Oh, did you guys know that uh, Christians get persecuted more than anyone else in this country? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah,
3: uh, Fox News. I saw the segment
2: yesterday.
1: <laughs> and we're going to talk about the war on Christmas, right?
3: Yeah, this is all going to be... We
0: can finally say Merry Christmas again oh, on this podcast. Finally. Oh,
1: my God.
2: Thank God. Yes, God. And God bless you when you sneeze. <laughs> and I, I yeah. heard that Starbucks is going to
1: actually have Jesus on their Christmas cups this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, we're
3: here. We finally have freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Only took 2,000 years since he died.
2: Oh, real quick, guys, yeah. who, who's on the money real quick? All the money? Just Jesus.
3: It's oh, all Jesus. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> it's the Illuminati pyramid, I'm pretty sure, actually. But as
0: liberal Christians, you put uh, Mother Mary on the 20. We don't <laughs> care. Yeah, no, we don't care about Mary. We don't <laughs> care about Mary. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, you I don't have know. so
1: much to learn, Ryan. <laughs> all right,
2: let's start from the
1: beginning. Okay. Enlighten me. All right. <laughs> okay, first of all, Mary is idolatry if you worship her in any way. She was just there to give birth to Jesus, who's the only one who matters, okay? And don't even get into Joseph, all right? <laughs> what about John the Baptist? <sighs> he was all right, but, you know, he came before, and he was just leading the way.
0: Okay, <laughs> enough of these goof that I don't even get. <laughs> now let's talk okay, about Mal- the heroin of hell. <laughs> Save it for VeggieTales, Michael. <laughs> so, Malcolm, Hi. what what is the big thing you want to talk about? Hit me. Enlighten me. Get it?
2: Yeah. Well, kind of the stuff I've been thinking about a lot lately and some of the conversations I, I try to engineer my way into on social media or people that are willing to talk about it is, um, how to kind of like, like you alluded to in your, in your quick summary, but how to be a liberal Christian, which I consider myself and kind of combating the idea that the Republican party is just the party of Christianity by default. And, uh, you know, anyone else outside of that is doing some kind of like weird homemade Mm. You know, backwards <laughs> concoction, and trying to—I don't even want to say reconcile. Like it, like it even is. Uh, like I have to make major strides to really retrofit Christianity to to deal with things like uh, gay marriage and other progressive social causes. Like, so I don't even want to say that I have to stretch anything, but just finding where they fit together and mm-hmm. kind of making it one belief I feel system. Like that's I guess. Been- such a
3: weird thing about regarding
2: Christianity is
3: a lot of its ideals coincide very well with more liberal policies. Mm -hmm. It's about loving and trusting each other, especially the way that Jesus was where it's like, Hey, we need to help the downtrodden. Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
2: And if like Michael and I, I'm sure going to like really trying to rein ourselves in through the rest of the show. But like, if you look historically at the early Christian church, so like from year, you know, 30 to 70, Mm -hmm. it is, they're giving everything away. They're having meals oh, yeah. at each other's houses. They are... It's it's just... It's a constant community service project. Yeah, the church in Acts is like a commune, basically. It's a commune. And there's no, like... There's no one leader. And there's no, like universal church that like <laughs> funds smaller ones and you have to stick to their rules or you get kicked out. You don't get to use their logo anymore. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's, it's like, it's pure socialism.
1: Yeah. There is the rich man who approached Jesus and Jesus told him to go give away all of his money and then follow him. And the the rich man went away sad for he was very rich.
3: <laughs> yep. And that, that's where the, the, it's
2: easier for, a camel that fit through the eye of a needle. Yeah, then rich man to for get a rich heaven. man into the kingdom. Yep, yep.
0: And, and there's that story where Jesus talks about how, like, the poor person that gives, like, ten coins is better than the rich person that gives a hundred or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? That sounds like something <laughs> I've heard.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. You know, <laughs> the numbers are a little different, but it's yeah. Like proportionally, <laughs> if if they're giving everything they have, even if it's, it's a dollar, that means, mm-hmm. you know, a ton. Obviously, yeah. So. Long story short, it's very socialist. <laughs> the, uh, the camel through the eye of a
1: needle thing kind of segues into a really good uh, example of the Convolution some evangelicals will go through to sort of defend wealth uh, because there was sort of a... apocryphal story going through evangelical circles when i was a teenager that said that you know back in the time that that was written there was this uh place that camels went through called the eye of the needle uh inside of cities and they had to get down on their knees to get through it so it was just saying that a rich man could you know get down on his knees and repent just as
3: easily as a poor man which none of that checks out (laughs) absolutely (laughs) none of it yeah, like it's difficult for a rich man to do it, but they can still go to heaven, definitely. Yeah. So keep
2: your money.
0: I thought you were going to say like back then they had huge needles and tiny camels.
2: <laughs> no, I think it was one specific uh wall in in one of the cities in uh, biblical times that had like a hole th- in the wall that had a Yeah, you know, that, that was it, that was the story, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's it was silly. dubious.
0: <laughs> so, Malcolm, were you like was your family liberal Christians too? <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> okay. Well, because like you're saying, how you find them very congruous, Does right? But everybody but, uh, from your upbringing find them congruous. No, no.
2: See, when I was when I was growing up, I had no idea. Like, I didn't have politics whatsoever. I just kind of uh, just like rep- like. When the candidates my parents wanted to win, one I was happy, and if people mm-hmm. were Democrats, I just frowned because my dad mm-hmm. would frown, and like that mm-hmm. was that was like oh, the, yeah. the length I went to for my homework, you know. Um, yeah. My political story is not that interesting. Like I grew up conservative and then just got out of my hometown and started meeting people <laughs> and <laughs> learning about other ways to live other than like you know straight white middle class and you know the rest of history. But
0: was that difficult for you, like? Did you have to like come out as a liberal?
2: <laughs> no, not not really at all. And it, it's if if anyone's grown up uh, conservative and kind of like converted, so to speak, they'd probably attest that it's a really gradual process. Where mm-hmm. one one day like one thing doesn't check out, and so you adjust a policy, and then you meet someone else that doesn't match what you've always thought, and it it just kind of snowballs from there. I don't think. I, you know, I, I think people probably picture that like people watch like one liberal VHS tape that goes around and then like <laughs> le- take the course and then, you know. <laughs> but like anything, you know, and I'm still working out. Well, I'm I'm pretty I'm very liberal now, but for a little while, like one thing at a time, you you, you just kind of figure out where you stand on it.
3: Yeah, sometimes you're still getting new information even today, yeah. and you're readjusting your stances
2: on mm-hmm. things. No, yeah. it's a work, And you should always work. be like, I haven't, yeah. n- none of us have arrived. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. F- f- oh, you know, I'm woke. Politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> neither, yeah. neither, neither politics nor uh, theology should stay like the same for, I don't know, like 10 years at the most. Like you right. should always be very uh, adjusting based on culture, based on growing as a person.
3: I feel like you hear a lot of the, like, a, this might be a loose stretch, but you hear a lot of counter arguments regarding a lot of the stuff that the church teaches you. Though, where it's like this is these things are set in stone like these rules and these laws and that's why it's so like attractive to a lot of people is that right. it's immutable you can't change it and that like you you have this to depend on for the rest of your life and your children's life and their children's life
2: right well i, I don't want to jump in too soon i may save it just a couple minutes but i will get into like that facet and I'll, I'll I'll try and do like a very light non turn off the podcast version of biblical interpretation (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and kind of my problems with the way people approach that. Yeah,
1: Walk us us through your exegesis. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Coming from such a, like I was raised Catholic, but like not like we went to, we went to mass like on Christmas and that was it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a hard thing. So like, and especially now the show, I would consider it very secular (laughs) and like, the the four of us are not religious, really, in any capacity. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to hearing. So get into the weeds a little bit. Right.
2: Well, I guess I could. <laughs> while we're on it, it wouldn't hurt just to just talk about it briefly. But you know, what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my history real quick, and maybe that'll help, like like set it up. But like yeah. incredible nutshell version. I w- I grew up in upstate New York, like 20 minutes from where Daryl's sitting right now. <laughs> And, you know, super white, little, uh, very conservative, small town. and Upstate I grew up in New a... York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm being redundant. And yeah. uh, I grew up in a really loving community. Uh, my parents are really close and they were good to us. And I grew up with a lot of best friends and people in the church that, you know, could easily substitute as uncles and aunts. And, you know, everyone knows each other their entire lives, basically, like a really good group. I think, like... When people kind of have a like a kind of like tough teen or early twenties like awakening where you get really disillusioned with religion or the church or organizations, those come quicker if you've experienced abuse or really like oppressive like congregations that get into your personal lives too much <laughs> or um, you know or I don't know I. I in my experience, I think Catholics rotate out a little quicker because of how many, you know, traditions and and mm-hmm. like, you know, and the Christians would call them like idols, but all the saints you got to have and all the stations and all that. I think like Catholics get out a little quicker. But if you are in a really loving community that and you never leave your town, you could, you could not really change for the rest of your life <laughs> it's completely possible mm-hmm. uh, because everyone is so kind and gracious and basically doing most of the things that a Christian should be so like yeah
0: that's what it sounds like to me is like you were with people that were like the stuff we were talking about the congruous stuff of like you know helping your neighbor and all that stuff yeah. it sounds like you were in a community that did that so you didn't see the I guess you didn't see the hypocrisy as much as like you know like, I mean, I was in a liberal parish f- relatively, but right. like, I've seen a lot of people that were like, well, it's all supposed to be about like, you know, everything's forgiven, but like no gays allowed. <laughs> and like, I yeah. could see, I, I could definitely see more of a struggle coming out of like,
2: everyone's super nice and accepting to you. Right. Yeah. I, I'm even really careful about saying hypocrisy. I usually lean towards ignorance that usually because if if you don't know you're being hypocritical then you just then you're not because yeah that's fair yeah for sure um and i've also experienced many many people just kind of using hypocrisy as like a blanket reason just to not get involved with any sort of religious searching or communities at Mm -hmm. all when like i think the better churches will admit that we're all kind of broken people on a journey trying to like find community and like mm-hmm. and find our place in this world so well i mean yeah, i think I, that's
1: more grace focused religion you know yeah. that accepting that we're we're flawed people as opposed to the i don't know more legalistic uh protestant religions where it's i don't know not as not as right. kind
2: yeah mm. uh, by the way michael does like does your upbringing sync up slightly As oh, I sound allow familiar? me to talk about my upbringing <laughs> oh, <please. laughs>
1: Okay, so cards on the table. I um, I no longer consider myself a Christian. I, I think I'm still very uh, defensive of Christianity and like to explain it to people so they have a better understanding of it and that they're not just all evil uh, hypocrites. <laughs> that there's not a blanket type of Christianity and there's lots of Christians in my life I still love and respect and you know I don't. I'm not. I'm not the bitter type of atheist are you are you a theist or an atheist i'm an atheist yeah ah, I'm, okay yeah i'm 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 all the way out but still you know still friendly <laughs> mm-hmm. um but my upbringing was a not so nice church community uh, so cool. the er- earliest church i remember uh was in alliance nebraska and uh, I won't get into the whole thing, but the church uh, from the get-go was mostly uh, anti-government survivalists, uh, and it was it was a very, very harsh church, very legalistic, very um, no focus on love and grace, and mostly focused on fear and brimstone. Uh, there was a lot of burning things, a lot of, um, you
2: know... You guys burn uh, Harry Potter, totally. I know you. Well, that I, I was that was
1: a little before <laughs> Harry Potter. But for example, um, I got scared one night as a child um, and uh, told my parents that I saw a shirt moving around my room, um, which was probably just a bad dream. But so they scoured my room to try to find anything that might be a gateway for demons, and <sighs> uh, they settled on an Aladdin book I had. Uh, Because, you know, Mm. Aladdin had scary things in it. So we burnt that. So things like that. It was constantly scouring the house to look for things that were letting demons in. And then that church ultimately became a cult uh, when this weird guy came in and claimed that he was a new apostle. And he was going to show everybody a new way to uh, become Christians. And he made our pastor a prophet for his new religion. And eventually he skipped town with a lot of people's money. So that was that was my first experience with church, which may ex- may explain why Malcolm is still a Christian. Right, I was going to say like this is ringing.
2: So many this is all lining up. We're like uh, I I got why'd into, you leave that? Or? I mean,
1: we we got into better places after that. I mean, we, my my parents were still Independent Baptists, so it was still pretty. Uh, pretty strict churches, um, that there was no room for interpretation in the Bible. Like it was all completely literal, Mm -hmm. you know, gays are bad. Um, no, no doubt about that. Uh, so I, I eventually kind of worked into more liberal Christian circles and I'd say from about 2004 onward, I was I was on the more liberal side of things and was always kind of uh, pushing against the conservatism in the churches I was in and the church circles I was in. Um, so yeah, that's you know I, I had some experience with being a liberal Christian for a while. What was so what pushed you
0: into that liberal side? like what made you break out of that?
1: I mean, I think I just I always remember being sort of um, wanting to be difficult. And wanting to go okay. against the against the grain, because I remember in two thousand one, I mean I was I wasn't liberal at all then, but um, I was part of this youth group, uh, and it was the night of the election, and uh, a group was going around, and they were uh, the youth leader was instructing us all to pray that George W. Bush won, and uh, great. yeah, and I said something to my friend like next to me. Uh, And this wasn't a youth group I was part of usually, but my friend brought me, I'm just like, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool if like a third party candidate won, right? (laughs) And he's like, don't say that. Don't say that out loud here. So, I mean, like, I always, I always had that kind of like, well, you know, maybe, maybe something different would be good sort of idea, even though there weren't any concrete values. And then in 2004, I was a libertarian because uh, mm. you know that's that's how those things go. So you know it just <laughs> I didn't want to be you know what everybody said, but I wasn't. Mm. I probably didn't get start to get liberal until like two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. When did you stop going to like a uh, liberal churches? Well, let's see, I moved to Fort Col- uh, Colorado in two thousand and ten. We didn't find a church while we were there. So probably around two thousand nine, two thousand
3: and ten. Was that just because you couldn't find a church nearby?
1: I that mean, you'd I like? think it was. I think it was just a convenient excuse. Um, my wife and i it's very uh, real—were uh, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we we moved and we're like, you know, we didn't really like church that much anyway, and we're kind of doubting this, and so you know, maybe maybe we'll just hold off, and uh, I don't know, just slipped out of it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll chime in real quick and say that uh, I when I lived in upstate New York. Even up until I was, like, right before I moved and got married, um, I was the worship leader at a campus church, mm-hmm. so I would uh, play in the music every Sunday, and uh, and then I left to come to Connecticut to get married, and I haven't attended a church <laughs> since, and it was the same kind of thing where, like, yeah. you know, I, I work I, I work all the time. Sunday is the only day off from my job, and, like we haven't found one and what if it's not the same? And then like a bunch of time passes and you're like, Oh, I sleep in on Sundays. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think, I mean, (laughs) I was having a lot of doubts.
1: I mean, probably since I was about 16 because a lot of things didn't line up for me. Right. So, I mean, it was kind of a steady process from there to becoming an atheist.
3: Yeah. I feel like in your place, Michael, that was one of those instances where you were pushed so hard to the right (laughs) that you kind of rubber band back right time and i mean i sorry i I tried i mean
1: i i even like i almost went to a college to become a pastor when i was 18 i did an overnight to check out the college and decided it wasn't for me
3: so you know i was i was still kind of trying to keep the faith wow because for someone like um malcolm because it's such like a warm and nice community it mm-hmm. has him reflect back on it kind of in nicer terms <laughs> and so that he I, I mean i'm just speaking for you malcolm you can probably no you're absolutely <laughs> right
2: where like any any of the uh, any of the prop like the the cracks in the armor or mm-hmm. anything that doesn't line up is all in your own free time because while you're yeah. there it's it's a it's a nice time yeah, I, oh, yeah, I, you I, don't
1: you don't yeah have doubts when you're worshiping with the community you just feel right. full of that like you know that warmness and that right. you know oneness so
0: so Michael, you mentioned that you were looking for a church with your wife. Was she really traditional too or is it kind of the same kind of journey you went on like I mean, were you guys doing this together or was one of you kind of leading the other one in a certain direction?
1: So, um, I'd say my wife was a little bit, um, (laughs) a little bit behind me. Like I, I, I don't know if I dragged her to my side, not intentionally, but I mean, she, she always had the same doubts that I did. I mean, she, she'll talk about it pretty freely about the things that just didn't make sense to her and the things that really frustrated her. Like for her, I think one of the biggest things that bothered her about, uh, churches and the kind of communities we were in with purity culture which we uh, both dealt with a lot and she got a lot of flack for not being as into that as Mm -hmm. the other other kids were Um, so I don't know that was kind of her her sticking point that eventually led her to atheism as well so I mean it was kind of a path we traveled together we would go in cycles where one of us would get more into into it again and maybe be like yeah maybe we should go back to church or yeah (laughs) something like that but i mean ultimately
3: we're we're both in the same place now how have your parents reacted to your slip away from church
1: uh okay so that is that's a my parents have been very cool about it which is wonderful especially now that we have kids um, and that's, oh, yeah. that's, yeah, that's pretty tough on them to know that we're not bringing our kids to church. But I mean, I think kind of what's helped is that, um, you know, I've told them it's okay to talk to our kids about their faith, you know, cause I want them, you know, I want them to know what Christianity is about. And my parents have cooled a lot, like, you know, chilled out a lot over the years. I mean, they're not, they're not like they used to be. I wouldn't call them liberals, but they're not, you know, terrifying fire and brimstone Baptists. They're not going to tell my kids about demons and hell. Uh, So, you know, I I told them that's fine if they want to talk to our kids about their faith. And, you know, I, I haven't told our children, like, you know, God isn't real or anything. I've you know, said, hey, this is, this is something some people believe in, you know, and they have faith in, in God and prayer and, you know, heaven and things like that. And mom and dad don't feel that way, but, you know, grandma and grandpa do, and that's okay. So I think that's helped a lot, but I mean, it's also something that I know breaks my mom's heart a lot, but, you know, she hasn't, uh, she, she hasn't pushy about it. What about you, Malcolm?
2: Um... I don't I don't talk to my parents a ton about religion anymore. I I'm I'm one of four and we've all gotten very independent and we're all liberal now and we are definitely like kind of we're clearly carving our own paths. Um I think my mom will insert questions or things where like she wants to know how uh if she can pray for me for anything or <laughs> like you know how we're doing and um I'm sure they think about it, but, um, it, it doesn't come up and, which is fine. Like, I think mm-hmm. something I've, I've been learning, um, sometimes just cooling off periods are good. You don't have to always, uh, either be steeped in a certain culture or loudly against it. I think you could just like have, you know, a couple of seasons where you, you take a break and and uh, don't engage in certain things and maybe we'll have some of those conversations but but like like Michael's getting at it's like I mean I'm never going to blame anybody I, I can't I can't disagree with this where if you think that if you don't believe the things that we believe that you're going to suffer for eternity of course horse you'd feel terrible it's not a judgmental thing yeah. it's not it's th- there's nothing wrong-headed about it like if you think your kids or your grandkids are like doomed if if you're like chill about it and keep a respectful distance that's huge of you <laughs> like it's <that's> really <laughs> yeah. hard to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? this is true. and like we we all know the corner preachers that have like the awful signs and we know about westboro baptist but like in my experience the bulk of people that are trying to get out there and like get the word out and witness to people and quote unquote convert them are uh, like their heart aches for the world mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and they
2: mm-hmm. want to help as many people as possible. And so I'll, I'll always empathize with that. I'll never have a problem with it. I'll have a problem with, you know, like the fire and brimstone and any kind of hate speech. But like, even if, even if like if Christians get on the pushy side, I, I give them a wide berth because it's like, of course, <laughs> <laughs> if this is the most important thing in the world, and it, and if if it goes beyond the mortal plane, then like, why wouldn't you constantly be telling people about it? Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. <laughs> uh,
1: just an aside, since you mentioned street preachers, the uh, pastor of that church we had that turned into a cult. Um, not not the one who came in and said he was an apostle but the one who was told he was a prophet uh, in 2001 he left his family and moved to New York to become a street preacher uh, after, after 9-11 to yell at New Yorkers and tell them uh. that their sins and evil ways caused nine yep. eleven. Yeah, so cool dude he was a cool cool dude
0: uh, as someone who spent a lot of time in new york city
1: he's that's that's a tough field he's got a lot of competition you, you, you may have run past him at some point it it's happened. very possible
0: i think malcolm I, I really that's such an interesting point that i feel like i forget because like if so as an atheist and like my dad's really catholic if i'm wrong then, like, I burn in hell forever. And, like, if he's wrong, he's just, like, kind of nice about it. It's the sa- yeah, like, it's,
2: it's the safety blanket principle yeah. where, like, you know, like, one could argue, well, why not just, like, why not just go through the steps anyway and just kind of be covered? But then... Mm-hmm. if if, i don't know if someone thinks the whole thing is made up like you 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 can't also you also can't like live a lie just to make your parents sleep a little better it's complicated (laughs)
3: it's also important to remember too sometimes that kind of uh the the fear of a fiery afterlife isn't unique to christianity yeah true and the gods do not appreciate you worshiping other false gods (laughs) well you
1: know that's honestly kind of what got me over the whole pascal's wager thing which anybody who isn't familiar with that it's uh the the mathematician and i guess part-time theologian pascal uh had this uh triangle that expands binomials (laughs) to any degree uh in addition to his pensies uh he had this wager where basically said you know if if I'm wrong, you know, nothing happens, but if you're wrong, you go to hell about mm-hmm. God. But then when I realized, oh, there's all these gods, like that's not a 50-50 wager. Like that becomes yeah. one in however many hundreds, you know, getting the right one. And then you so wind there's...
2: up with like a like a bunch of Charms tied on you at all times and like a bunch of tiny little rituals you do throughout your whole day. And like, exactly. at that point. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not saying that it, it holds up logically. Right. But I can see no, from no, a very I mean, religious I think person. A very, yeah. I
1: mean, I think it's a very effective uh, argument that a lot of people, I mean, I think a lot of people who are maybe more casual Christians, uh, that's kind of what they, they're they going to hold on to that. Um, yeah. I'd say your, your Easter and Christmas Catholics yeah. probably you know are doing mm-hmm. doing that right yeah fire and go back
0: to the yeah to go back to the uh to the parent stuff you're talking about when I came out as an atheist, and I use the term loosely, uh, I was, I was like 16 and I was a total dickhead about it. Oh, this is my and, favorite. Uh, like, it was just like, and I feel so bad about it. Cause I was like, like my dad mentioned something. I'm like, I don't even believe in God. And I swear to you, I said, it's, and I said, I don't believe in God. I'm
3: an intellectual. <laughs> I feel like if you're coming out as an atheist, as a teenager, you have to be that. Like, there's oh, yeah. no other yeah. option
1: for you. <laughs> I, yeah. you I have was really a rebel. I was just going to say, I was very insufferable. My first year of atheism. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a growing process. It is. Yeah.
0: It and is. like, I remember one night my dad was like, You know, I really feel like I've failed with you. If only we brought you to church more. And I was just like, screw you, Dad. I'm going to
3: hang out with my friends. We're going to go blaspheme. And then did you get on your bicycle? As you are going away, you started crying?
0: (laughs) I actually, to get to all my friends' houses, I have to ride my bike past the church. And I think I might have, like, flipped off the church. like I'm cool to nobody.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was awful. (laughs) So it sounds like you guys have not had this. St- well, Michael, I guess said he was also insufferable. But Malcolm seems a lot sweeter about. It. Well, also Malcolm, you still consider yourself a theist, right?
2: Well, but mm-hmm. some days, it's some, some days, days. <laughs> other days are so, like, sorry, God, this... you're not there. <laughs> so this, like Michael's, Michael's journey, like that's one way to go. And then there's kind of like what I've experienced a little bit, and what I've come to learn it it. I listen to some really cool like really liberal semi-christian like christian mystic podcasts that Mm -hmm. Engage in the traditions and the good parts of it and are open-minded about as much stuff as possible and They call it they call the first phase deconstruction And that's like Mm -hmm. that's like the one day where you suddenly like realize there's no god and your head spins and you just Mm -hmm. like you you start thinking about like hell for the first time in your, or like about oblivion, like nothing about, you know, dying Mm -hmm. and there being nothing for the first time Mm -hmm. in your life. You like, it's just, it's like this heavy weight. And then everyone can have like, people can have these different journeys. And some people like, you know, stay that way. Some people need like a breather. And some people kind of have like a reconstructing, like a reconstruction period Mm -hmm. where, they re embrace the parts that work. They kind of like fit everything to the worldview a little better. Um and I don't want to make it sound like like just picking and choosing what you want to be true, but you you know, you modify your belief structure. Um and so I like like we were saying after I got out of being in a constant church environment, this could be like two times a week, including like small groups and, and band practices and stuff. Then you don't have the constant reinforcement. And then one of those days, Mm. a thing doesn't line up like, like something obvious, like Noah's Ark, like, okay, (laughs) you know, of course that's not real. Or, um, you know, stuff like that Mm -hmm. or other like
3: the, the huge central core aspects, like, um, original sin. And, you know, my thing that my, I think my big, big sticking
1: point, um, was, uh, Paul, uh, I had this moment uh, when I was a teenager (laughs) where I realized that Paul had shaped so much of our idea of Christianity and salvation, like almost more than Jesus's words and teachings did. And when I realized that Paul is in many ways, kind of a progressive revelation beyond Jesus's uh, teachings. And then I'm like, wait, why do we, why do we believe Paul? Why do we listen to Paul? Like that was kind of my, my big, Wait a second. And I I went to my Bible study leader about it. I'm like, Hey, can you can you tell me like why we, you know Believe the these letters Paul wrote, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, here in Second Timothy it says all scriptures scriptures God breathed, so <laughs> you know that Paul's words are God breathed." I'm like,
2: w- wait, is it, wait, hold on. so <laughs> to does Timothy to, was written to, by Paul. Hold to on. To simplify, <laughs> to simplify, there's a line in the Bible that says everything in this is true, and then <laughs> it just like covers itself.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. It's, it's so <laughs> crazy that Paul never knew the physical Jesus. He wasn't like an apostle. Mm-hmm. He just had yeah. the, the vision. Of God, and then it's like, well, yeah, 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 and especially how much you know, or at least like I knew as an irreligious person of the church, and it was primarily Paul's writings, or like the stuff that I knew and the stuff that a lot of people reference about, like it's pretty tricky if you're trying to keep your faith. (laughs) But right, yeah,
0: I this reminds me when you guys talk about this was when Daryl read the Bible in college. (laughs) not. Yeah, it was
3: post-college. I have a document that I covered what every single <laughs> chapter, what it was primarily about. Wow. And you
0: were completely irreligious until like a teenager, right?
3: No, I've been irreligious my whole life.
0: No, but I mean, wow. I mean like you had no exposure to religion, really.
3: Yes, I had no exposure. My mother grew up a Catholic and my father grew up a Mormon and both of them didn't wow. want to raise us or like fight over <laughs> how to raise us.
0: Because I remember, like, you visiting, I guess it was after you graduated, and reading the Bible. And just, like, you'd be sitting there in silence for, like, an hour. And then you just look up and be like, man, this shit's crazy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was. (laughs) The the prophets in particular are just very vivid and nonsensical. Oh, I'm a big fan of Ezekiel. He had some
2: wild vision. Dry bones. Yeah. (laughs) So, deconstruction. Yeah. Everything's swirling. And, you know, everything I believe was a lie and you, you kind of, everyone has like a different experience of it, but the takeaway is that you, you question a lot and you have like a dark night of the soul basically. But then through some of these great, um, programs, I do want to like, if anyone is slightly enjoying this or wants to get into something along these lines, um, the liturgists podcast is amazing. It's two guys that grew up in the church, completely lost their faith. And then, like, restructured everything to, to have, like, an inclusive, liberal, like, um, open-minded Christianity. And it's, it's, it's basically been my church uh, lately. Mm-hmm. And so then I kind of, like, found the things that made sense and got to, like, reintegrate my worldview and get back to living this stuff in a positive way instead of, like, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, basically.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And then... So I was, I was hinting at this at the beginning, but the thing I wanted to touch on that is, I think is hugely important if you're interested at all in maintaining some kind of faith or, you know, modern Christian tradition, the the biggest problem I have, and that, well, I think the biggest problem that like Christianity has had for the longest time, this is eternal, is their problem with interpretation. Mm -hmm. It always goes, have a thesis look up the verse to match it. Yep, That's way, way, way too common. It was that way in Copernicus's time. It was that way when the church thought the earth was flat. And then when I was growing up, my church had a band with an electric guitar and drums. And I knew a church in my town that had only voices. (laughs) And historically, that branch of the church came over on a boat that couldn't fit a piano had singing in, had only singing in their services then looked in the psalms and found one verse where god said take away from me the, the sounds of your instruments yeah because <laughs> because he cuz he, he's mad about like their practice and then they go okay so this is why we do this therefore and it just becomes like a self fulfilling cycle mm-hmm. i've
1: i've sorry uh, <laughs> to that point uh Church of Christ, the denomination Church of Christ, they have two separate sects called instrumental and non-instrumental, and it is exactly that. Some of them yeah. have instruments, and some of them don't. That was a big Absolutely. enough divide that their denomination split over it. Wow. Yes, yeah. so and i've weird. I've
2: known I've known churches that thought that rock music was evil. Oh, uh, all all of my known churches. About like like like. Yeah, we've known about Dungeons and Dragons and Harry Potter being uh-huh. evil. Uh, oh, yeah. I've known I've known certain denominations that thought that women had to wear skirts and have long hair all the time, mm-hmm. like and no makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all yep. this, all this comes from already thinking a thing, looking up the verse. Yep. And there it is. And then the th- the thing is, it, it always adapts with culture. Mm-hmm. So in the time of the Civil War the plantain owners would go out to the, the fields or the to their slaves and point to the verse in the Bible that said how slaves should be obedient to their masters. Uh-huh. Then culturally, we all decide slavery is wrong. And now in you know, in the early 2000s or in the 90s when I was a kid, the Bible study about slavery would be like, well, in this time, uh, it meant <laughs> this. But today we can take that to mean <laughs> oh, if yeah. you have a job, uh-huh. do it to the best of your ability. Or if you work for an employer, give them 110%. I've,
1: I've heard that explanation that... Actually, the Israelites had a different kind of slave that wasn't as mm-hmm. bad. As... Indentured
3: servants. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, they'll well, say like then, in the New yeah.
2: in the New Testament, there were indentured servants that mm-hmm. could earn their freedom and then like stay on for like after right. they were freed and and be paid. And which is fine. You could totally take that message and then learn like, okay, if I have a job, I'm well, going to do it the best of I, mean, my I think that's a
1: good thing that the church has come around on
2: slavery right. being bad. <laughs> but then if you take something like gay marriage uh-huh. which the church starts off disliking and mm. then finds the verses that match it right and until you know i don't know whatever 20 years from now when it's just like culturally like ideally i'm that's wishful thinking but like in a couple decades yeah. when culturally it like it's known just to be like the way people are right I mean, then they'll look at it holdouts but of course you know, there's
1: there's also those holdout churches that still think uh interracial marriages are wrong i mean that's right there mm-hmm. that was a there. huge problem with yeah. a couple
2: like christian colleges like in the 70s and 80s and oh stuff. my god yes but, but like if if you so where i'm getting at I'm <laughs> i'm trying not to lose those people i warned but the okay. thing about interpretation is you don't have to just like chuck out a really solid belief structure or a good moral structure mm-hmm. or a way to behave when I went to a Christian college, I had a Bible class, and he taught about how the different parts of the Bible are used for different purposes. And so the Psalms are just poems. Mm-hmm. It's, sometimes it's the guy just like really mad and basically get, letting his emotions out and saying, God, come slay my enemies. A lot, I know of, it's,
3: what... a lot of it's just about David.
2: Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. He's sitting yeah. in a cave
3: wanting to be saved
2: by yeah. God. Right. And David had a rough time. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like an it's like an emo it's like a 20 minute emo song. <laughs> <laughs> and we all commonly know that it's not meant to be taken literally. It's just a literal snapshot into like here's what it's like when mm-hmm. you're mad at God or here's like when you feel separated from your fellow or man. A king's
3: been hunting and trying to kill you.
2: <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> modern America. <laughs> and and the different, the diff- so, like, the first half of the Bible is history. You're just literally showing how the nation of Israel came together, wandered around, went through some hardships, and then became, like, a modern nation. Mm-hmm. And then you have some that are letters, which are just, like, one pastor writing to his church, and then you have the life of Jesus. They have different purposes. And I I think if you view it that way, you, the things that, are kind of crazy like the talking snake <laughs> in mm-hmm. the garden or all like the, the really crazy stuff like uh, Moses uh, in the old testament. All those miracles every, almost almost every other religion, their creation myth, they go Well yeah, it's just it's just the way that they tried to understand how the earth was made at that time. And mm-hmm. no one actually thinks the earth is on the back of a turtle. Mm-hmm. No one really thinks that, you know, the Earth uh, was like a like a, a giant mother, like a physical mother. Like no one else believes their creation myths, and I can take the story of Genesis and just enjoy it culturally and not like, it doesn't have to sink my whole my whole theology. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't stand to lose everything by just going like, all right, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole worldwide flood. There was a lot of tech support that there was a big flood in the fertile crescent. Uh-uh. That's probably why like five different cultures have a flood in their story. And that's fine. Right. <laughs> you don't have to lose the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I, that's, those are the kind of conversations I'm always trying to have. I love talking to sort of entrenched conservative christians and trying to like broaden them out a little bit and Mm -hmm. find like ways to let some of that stuff slip i love talking to atheists that have no idea what this stuff's about and like trying to find the good in it and like trying to find common uh language Mm -hmm. and like the character of jesus even if you just think he was a character like like a joseph campbell hero's journey character is inspirational and Mm -hmm. motivating and like a great Uh, person to follow and and if you literally believe that like he was who he said he was then great (laughs) that's great too and and that's like you could do a lot worse than doing everything he said because like the net is that you help your fellow man constantly (laughs) and uh and you try and like there's so much stuff about um looking at the law and the law says like don't covet don't murder, don't steal. But then he says, if you're doing this stuff mm-hmm. in your heart and in your head, it's, it's also wrong. And like, this is right. modern mental health. <laughs> that's therapy. <Right. laughs> you could glean so much from that, that it's, it's like, it's, it's way ahead of its time. So I don't know. It's, it's ever evolving. Yeah. It's, it's like this journey. And like I said, I, I, I don't always even believe the same stuff day to day. I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a changing, growing person. Right now, the the thing that matches my belief structure uh, is what I grew up in. It was comfortable, and I I love a lot about it. And it, it's the way I talk to my family and some of the friends I grew up with. Um, it's the way I try and live. Some days when I feel inspired and I am a good writer and I'm funny and all the all these like non scientifically explainable things, I feel like I am I'm very purpose driven and like I was I'm on like this like mission that's that's been going on long before i got here and then some days they're suffering the world and not everything like quite lines up and i think so like the biggest problem i have is interpretation like i said people doing things backwards um but the second thing is that in my church culture growing up there was not a healthy view of the concept of doubt Michael mm-hmm. said, "There's those, Michael said, there's that uh, one like verse true. that says all scriptures God breathe and is useful for teaching and training. There's mm-hmm. another one in there where I think again Paul is saying that every man knows deep in his heart that there's a God, and you're a fool if you deny it. Yep. And the problem with that verse is that mm-hmm. Christians start to view atheists as just like only being angry at God. <laughs> and if we ever knew, if we yeah. ever knew someone we grew up yeah. with that fell out of the faith or the tradition." It was because they were mad and sooner or later they would come around. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, it's either you are mad or you were backsliding and just wanted to go. Out <laughs> right, right, right. You want to like go and engage in pleasures or whatever. I mean, I do
0: want to engage in pleasures <laughs> and sin. It does sound pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's all go but and
2: sin. When I was growing up, doubt, like the only explanation was like the devil just like whispering bummers into your ear oh, the devil. to depress you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, yeah. where I'm at right now, I think like, oh, uh, like modern or, or I don't know. I think i myself as a modern Christianity, but like what I would view as like nineties Christianity where like the way I last saw it was it could benefit so much from a healthy view of doubt mm-hmm. where if you have those like mm-hmm. bonkers I moments agree. where you go like, well, the Bible was just put together by a council of a couple of dudes and. Like, why did they pick some of the books they picked? And, like, what does this actually mean? <laughs> right. Or, like, maybe maybe Noah and the Flood is just a metaphor. I think we can make so much progress if doubt had, like, room. And if you mm-hmm. were allowed to, like, go off by yourself and scream at the sky and be like, God, why does this stuff happen? Like, the real psalm stuff, like, why do bad things happen Like, why did my relative die when they didn't do anything wrong? Like all the actual existential stuff we struggle with. And if you were allowed to one, like some of the days be like, nope, like today, this stuff doesn't check out. And if you could have the kind of faith where you were like, if, if God is as great as we say he is, and if he's everywhere and if he's eternal, he is powerful and loving and knowing enough to handle me not believing in him once in a while. (laughs) And me not losing everything I've built by, like, (sighs) having a day where, like, this doesn't all make sense today.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, I think I agree with that point a lot. Like, worshipping a big, all-powerful, all-knowing God is, I mean, that's such a, I mean, it can be a really beautiful and really moving and really meaningful thing. And one of my frustrations with a lot of evangelicals, especially ones who wrap their politics up way too much with their religion, is that their idea of God is a very mm-hmm. small and petty one. The, you know, the ones who believe that if you don't force kids to pray in school, God's going to let school shootings happen. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, the ones who believe that, you know, the government allowing gay marriage, you know, is, is going to hurt God in some way. And it's just like, why who who are you worshipping? I mean, yeah. what is that? It's not It, it
3: doesn't mesh yeah. with the omnibenevolence at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it feels really idolatrous to me. Like that's not yeah. God that you're that you're telling me about. That's not God you're worshipping. You're you're worshipping a man-made yeah. construction. So, I mean, I think that's another thing that the, you know, particularly fundamentalists need to work on, you know, remembering that they worship a My big question, God. My question
0: though is if like And everything you guys are saying makes a lot of sense to me, but, like, the whole, like, letting in doubt thing and, like, picking and choosing, like, you know, like the, you can not read into the gay marriage stuff or whatever, the arbitrariness Mm -hmm. of it, I feel like wouldn't, how do you keep an organized religion when you're, like, the rules are what you want them to be? Like, then doesn't it stop being organized at a certain point and it's so much more personal? Then why go to church if you could just read the Bible and pick what you
3: want to believe in? I mean, there are definitely. That I, <laughs> I think denominations that are like that, <laughs> for the, like, as long as you, like you feel good, we feel good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Unitarian. Yeah, I'm not
0: saying that's bad, but I'm saying like, I don't see what the incentive for a church to do that is. Well,
2: like, I, I guess I would like modify one or two. Like, I, I the question is valid. I would modify like a thing or two. Um, and I, I think, I think really entrenched, like the, like these like literal like like entrenched conservative Christians would call the kind of thing I'm doing picking and choosing, mm-hmm. because again, if all scripture is God breathed, then anything I don't agree with is just me like kind of like handpicking my thing. But like <laughs> right. what I was talking about interpretation, like the gay marriage stuff, in the very Old Testament, it says not to do it right alongside when it says like you can't eat pork and fish. Yeah. And like, you know, can what to tattoos. do? Yeah, there's like a like it's like a thousand things in there. And the other things are in the New Testament. Like I think Paul mentions it. And then he also says that women need to have their head covered yep. in church and you can't wear makeup. So like the, it's always right. cultural. It's always from like a something from like 2000 years ago.
0: Yeah, but what I mean, my question is like if you're going to say some of this stuff doesn't count, what stops your you know, your parish from saying well then why why do the other things count
2: well so like what i was getting at like some of the stuff that the liturgists talk about and um other groups and like kind of like reconstructed christians mystic christians whatever you want to call them is trying to like i don't know it's trying to use the tradition you're most comfortable with to find something like greater than yourself and some days that okay. can look like a pick and choose thing some days it it, it might be a little more literal to be person by person it's it's hard to explain and it's not going to be narrowed down in the length of like one podcast that's that's not even about <laughs> <Yeah>. religion whatsoever <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you know we're not gonna we're not gonna nail it here and also, like, this is very new for me. I haven't landed. Mm-hmm. I'm not even, like, I'm not there, <laughs> but right now I I know that things in my life have led me to where I am now. There are things that are absolutely out of my control. Mm-hmm. In, my, in my more cynical and, like, in less religious moments, I know that the universe is random and you just kind of get drawn to things, and then some things are really perfect and I feel really blessed in a lot of ways and I've been given some things and Mm -hmm. the best way I can relate to the physical world around me and then the stuff that I'm still trying to figure out is my tradition and, and it's the life of Jesus. And like, that's the best way I can relate to other people (laughs) by like kind of following that example. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a place right now where I can like throw everything out and say there is only science and Mm -hmm. you know, and and everything is just molecules whizzing around. I have moments like that (laughs) and I love, and I love talking to people like that. But at at this point in my journey, that's, that's not where I'm at. I I still like, I like thinking about God or the universe or something like taking care of me and guiding Mm -hmm. me. I like thinking about like having a purpose and like, the the better things I draw from this, I I don't know it. I, I'm I'm like again I'm super super new to this like like the guys that are starting to figure this out way more than <laughs> your guys like the liturgists where they just did a they just did a podcast recently where they like so what they'll do is they'll do like thought discussions and maybe like a poetry reading or a scripture reading and then maybe like a couple worship songs. They did one all about asking why we still refer to God as He and like mm. and looking back at the original texts, and then like they, they looked at the science of it of like it shows science, studies show that people that believe in a masculine god are more like scared of him and people that believe in a uh, feminine god are more like compassionate and feel more loved and stuff like that and then they did these mm. worship songs mm. where they took the classic songs and changed the gender pronouns and mm-hmm. and like they fully admitted like show of hands because it's a live show how many of you are uncomfortable right now because like <laughs> of course you would be when like you're messing with yeah. your your yeah. concepts like that and it's really interesting they weren't even trying right. to be like none of this matters like everything sucks like like what people think liberals are where it's just like everything goes but they're trying to say like why do you always think that like what do you mm-hmm. lose by admitting this uh, c- can we have uh, a mm-hmm. group of 200 people in one room where a quarter of them are desperately clinging to the he pronoun for God, and they're uncomfortable <laughs> right now. Uh, Two thirds of them desperately need to hear uh, gender-neutral pronouns so they can find a way that they can connect to God. Like these kind of questions mm-hmm. are so fascinating to me because you can, mm-hmm. this stuff can evolve and it can reach other people than just like conservative middle-class <laughs> white America. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hardly an authority. I feel. I feel dumb for the most of the time talking about this because, like, I was so sure about so many things for most of my life, and now I feel like like I'm in Sunday school again. Like I'm a baby again, like figuring it out. And maybe that makes me sound foolish to a lot of other people that would rather I just like skip right to atheism and stop fooling myself or whatever. But.
0: I think it's more foolish to assume you have all the answers right away. Yeah. Right.
1: know, oh, I do. I am an Malcolm, you—I mean, you—you've mentioned the liturgist, but I'm curious if you have uh, any any more recommendations for like faith-based works, uh, books, or movies or music that you know explore faith, you know, in your in your thought really well.
2: Well, another one on my journey was also Pete Holmes's podcast. You made it weird, mm-hmm. uh, and that guy went on like a straight journey where he grew up incredibly Christian and then like had like a really like angry. He had like a divorce and like an angry yeah. atheist phase. And he's like a he's a comedian. He's on a, a TV show now. But then like he he's more of like a just like a searching mystic. He was the guy that had on one of the liturgists, and he, he talks to like Ram Das and Deepak Chopra and all these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another good one. That's that's way more like like Lucy Goosey searching kind of right, like just eager to hear other people's stories. But yeah, either like you made it weird, or uh, liturgists are
1: that's just all about the podcasts with you, huh?
2: Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean like that's that's a lot of the way I engage in most stuff now it, it matches <laughs> my job and it's it's sort of becoming my like like unofficial career so that's how i engage in stuff but yeah i i it, it, i maybe i can post some stuff like on the mm-hmm. episode uh, on facebook after this comes out like a couple good episodes to try like they did one on abortion like we didn't mm-hmm. even touch that and there's nope. probably no time today but yeah, like not... <laughs> like it, it basically admitting that uh neither side has it figured out and it's complicated and it's messy. They're one on like, on trying to be a gay Christian and and like Mm -hmm. come to terms with that was fantastic. Like it's just a variety of voices and, uh, and being okay with being not sure. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. I feel (laughs) like when there's people that come out as like atheists, like Brian and I guess I, to a degree um, when we go through like that phase and we, we, we feel like we know it all we also try and stress onto other people where it's like believing in god is dumb you shouldn't believe in god <laughs> this is like a net negative and part of the growth is realizing some people need to have the, like their faith is a core part of their life and it's mm-hmm. good for yeah. them to have it and like even if you can try and make the arguments to like that the the bible isn't like a literal interpretation of reality you still need to provide people room to to digest the the tome at their own rate Mm -hmm. right that's one of the reasons why i think
0: people like bill maher are total assholes yeah
3: bill maher because at first you're
0: like oh he's so cool and then you're like
3: oh no
0: because like just (laughs) and i do think that there is a problem with a lot of leftist circles is that like oh well i'm Like, like we said, like all our 16 year old selves that were like, oh, well, I'm an intellectual. I don't believe in God. And like, that's, you can't prove or disprove it either way. It's belief. I'm not going to say like they're you know, it's definitely one way or the other. And that's like, I just think that that level of atheistic preaching is just as shitty as like, you know, the Christians that are screaming at me on the corner of Times Square. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is the last reference I'll make of the podcast, but the first time I ever heard <laughs> Science Mike on The Liturgist, he's he's like, he's like, a really smart, scientifically-minded person, and the first thing I ever heard him say was, they've hooked people up to brain scans, and you can see your healthy brain function, mm-hmm. and people on religion uh, are X percent happier, 30 percent happier, or whatever. And he said, already... Get off my back <laughs> because that enough is – even if you're fooling yourself,
3: that's enough it's reason effect. to give it a yeah.
2: little breathing room like, and go from there <laughs> instead of, like, you you know, opiate of the masses, yada, yada. So, yeah. If
0: Malcolm remembers to link me to these episodes, they will be in the show yeah. notes. Oh, yeah. I'd
2: be happy to. Uh,
1: I'd like to um... – recommend something really quick um there's a band that i i've liked for a long time and i still love a lot called me without you and they are um i know kind of a they used to be sort of a christian hardcore band but they've become something of an experimental folk uh flexible christianity band uh one of the uh, one of the band members was actually race. Sufi, So he's kind of incorporated his like Sufi upbringing and like the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible all together into this kind of interesting spiritual popery that, you know, he kind of explores. And in a lot of a lot of their albums are just very, very deep meditations on faith and what it means and their kind of journey from a more uh, strict religious um, you know, belief to more flexible belief that, you know, I think... Uh, it kind of ties in with a lot of what we've been talking about.
0: I have, I think I've seen them open for bands. Yeah, you probably have. Couldn't, ev- couldn't even tell you what they sound yeah. like, but I will actually listen next time. <laughs> uh,
1: I would, I would recommend their album, Sister Brother, or It's All Crazy, It's All False, It's All A Dream, It's All Right. That's six albums. That is two <laughs> albums that I just recommended. The first one was Sister Brother. The second one was All The Words I Said. <laughs>
0: Cool. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about or add?
2: Yeah, well, let's I call mean, it a night. I mean, yeah, we could go on for a long time.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you. That was really, I'm that I thought that that was fascinating, and I don't know any of this stuff. At least Daryl's read the Bible. <laughs> you went to church. I went to, yeah, but like you know, it's it was a Catholic church. I just had to stand up and sit down a lot i don't know it's not about me (laughs) daryl but you went to church still so malcolm as our head of the network would you like to give a plug for the comrade radio
2: network uh yes i would now that i'm here to do that i'll fix all mistakes you were making uh no yeah um you guys definitely know by now, or you're tuning in now. Which, congrats on picking this one. That was <laughs> <laughs> you, you did it. You won the lottery. Uh, yeah, we're we are Comrade Radio, or a collection of indie podcasts. They're all about friendship and creativity. We have po- podcasts like this one and uh, divisive issues, and all the others. Um, I guess I would uh, say to check out the Comrade Radio podcast itself because that is is the Whitman's chocolate sampler of our network. We have, oh man, anything could come up. We've done spooky horror uh, marathons. We've done uh, quizzes. We, <laughs> Any week could be something different with a different combination of hosts. And I'm on there a lot. Ryan's on there a lot. I think you mean uh, every
0: fortnight, Malcolm.
2: <laughs> did I did I say weekly? <laughs> yes. I would never do that. Plug over to Comrade Radio. You're going to hear me say in a second anyway.
0: Cool. And what about you, Michael? What cool podcast do you have?
1: I have this podcast called We no that's not true Uh,
0: I I mean that is also true it it, is wonderful but someone wouldn't host it on SoundCloud anymore
2: (laughs) Michael Uh,
1: I have a podcast (laughs) with Ryan called we'll get it right next year colon an adventure in cinema dash we bought a zoo at least that's the movie we're doing this year where Ryan and I spend an entire year uh, guessing what happens during a movie uh, incorporating scraps of information brought to us by guests like Amazon reviews and IMDb quotes it's fun check it out I think it's great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Daryl, do you have
0: anything to plug? Tell people about your books for once My books? <laughs>
3: yeah uh... <laughs> Okay. You, you, can, you can buy them at Novel Graphics <laughs> One of them was Speaking about stuff like religion uh, As a kid I always believed in God Because I wanted him to exist Because I wanted there to be a purpose to my life So that mm-hmm. any pain and misery that came my way At least there was some reason for it and I went through an existential crisis where I was realizing that wasn't true and that all pain was just subjective. And I wrote a book about it called Minus Existence, and you can find it at novelgraphics.com.
2: I highly recommend that book. That was fantastic. It is
0: one of my favorite books of all time.
2: And I like it's it. so good. I haven't it's read so it
3: so yet. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. You lived through
2: a cult. You're, you don't need it. <laughs> Two out of three dentists <laughs> agree.
0: My official review is that when I finished it, I made Daryl walk with me around a lake and hold me while I cried.
2: <laughs> do you pay extra when you buy the book for that? or?
3: <laughs> I mean, sure. PayPal me some money and I'll do it. <laughs> uh,
1: speaking of occult, cult, um, if you'd like to know or like hear more about that, I was on the podcast, best acquaintances where I talked a lot more in depth about that, uh, church and my experience with it. So that's, uh, you want to hear that more in depth
3: check that out yeah that should be something that's linked in the notes
1: <laughs> yeah I will
0: definitely put that in there cool thank you guys so much for listening to Oopside talk politics I've been an intellectual and I've been an
2: atheist shut up dad I've been the council of Nicaea. I'll take this and I'll take that <laughs> I've been Daryl's book
1: oops I of the podcast
2: Dot .com Independent Podcasting Network